Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the 530th edition of the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. I'm your host, Daniel Feuerstein, I'll give you an American perspective of our clubs, leagues, players, national team, and other fabulous moments. You get your daily reading from me and other writers of the soccer department over at jerseysportingnews.com. Chat room is open. Come on in. Talk amongst yourselves if you like. If you have a question for me, I'll try to answer it to the best of my abilities. This intro monologue will be a little bit different today, as I would probably would have loved to uh, wax poetically about some of the uh, moments in the MLS Cup playoffs. But truthfully, we have to go to something that happened over the weekend in Germany, in the Bundesliga, as Red Bull Leipzig has sacked American head coach Jesse Marsh. For reasons that now I understand a lot better of why he has been relieved of his duties over in Red Bull Leipzig, which I find kind of fascinating because I didn't think that between the time that Ralph Ragnick, who was running Leipzig, after he left the coaching department and then was taken over by Nagelsmith and, of course, with the success that Jesse Marsh had in Salzburg in Red Bull, winning not only in the two years he was the manager of Red Bull Salzburg, two Austrian Bundesliga titles, as well as two Austrian Cup titles that Jesse was going to come into Leipzig and he was going to do the job there. And unfortunately, apparently, when when Nagelson was running Leipzig, he put the club at a higher level and advanced past what Ralph Ragnick did for the Red Bull system in Germany. So much so, when Jesse came into the fray, as Nagelstrom left Leipzig to go and manage Bayern Munich, went back to the old ways, and apparently the old ways were foreign to these players. And when he did advance to the way they were playing, Jesse Marsh went back to the old ways, and now they have decided to part ways. And I'll admit, even though it was only three months on the job, I said to myself, either something went wrong eternally, 
from Jesse or Red Bull Leipzig just didn't trust an American head coach. But now that I understand what the reasons were, I can, I can definitely say that it was more tactics and the system that Jesse has been a part of for so long. That is the, why, that is the reason why he was let go. Jesse Marsh, um, I hope, will land on his feet again. I also hope that Jesse will be able to be a manager at a big-time club someday, somehow. Because the truth is, he is a good head coach. He is a good manager. He knows how to get the best of the best to go out and dominate. Without a doubt in my mind, I think that he will deserve a second shot somewhere. And lo and behold, that somewhere could be England. Now, as everyone knows, today or this morning, on Monday morning, Monday afternoon, here on the East Coast of the United States, news came abound from Old Trafford in the red end of Manchester at Manchester United. As we all know, Ralph Ragnick is the manager interim right now of Manchester United. And then once the six months are over, or depending on how long his coaching uh, contract will be, will go to the front office, and he will be considered as a sporting director slash consultant slash you know making sure that certain things are going to do well. But I will say this. I will say this. The news of Chris Armis joining Ralph Ragnick has been – Amazingly shocking. And we'll wait and see. That will entail moving forward, as well as other rumors going around that Jesse Marsh may be heading to Ralph Ragnick's coaching staff as well. Those are the two hot rumors right now from Red Bull Manchester United land, shall we say. My buddy here is uh, giving me a call for his two cents. You go ahead. It's your quarter. Uh, yes, uh, good evening. I was good actually evening. wondering if they, I was wondering actually any thoughts of the uh, uh, MLS final, which will be played on Sunday. I mean, I really didn't think that NYFC had a prayer, but they, uh, they were down uh, one nothing in, in the layers of the second half, and all of a sudden they came back and scored two goals. And they shocked Philadelphia. They shocked me as well. I mean, I never much thought, you know, things were going to get this far. And they have, even though I'm a, I'm a Red Bulls fan, to be honest. Hmm. Well, let me just say this. They didn't play well. They were very opportunistic when they got their chance, when they took their chances to score those two goals. Technically, they scored three because they put the ball in their own net to start the scoring. Hmm. Um, I can definitely tell you 
that New York City FC at this moment in time have looked good except for the game against the Union. Because you have to give credit to Jim Curtin because Jim Curtin put his team through the ringer, and this is with a bunch of first-team players along with second- and third-team players because of those that did not get hit with the coronavirus. But this is going to be a huge challenge for New York City FC because they're taking on not just a red-hot Portland Timbers team. They are taking on a manager that knows everything about them, knows everything about New York City soccer, knows the tri-state area very, very well, knows the five boroughs, knows Long Island, knows Westchester County, knows Rockland County, and in eastern New Jersey over the Hudson River in Giovanni Savarese. That is why and that is why he is the first metro legend of this club. Giovanni, you bet. You bet he is. It was great for the Red Bulls. Uh, back then they of course they were the Metro Stars, so That's right. Yeah. Yeah, because I followed that That's right. from the beginning, actually. Mm-hmm. And let's also not forget uh, when Giovanni Savarese was the manager of the New York Cosmos of the North American Soccer League, the second coming of the, the Cosmos and the and the NESL. Geo beat the Cosmos, tw- excuse me, Geo beat New York City FC twice in the U.S. Open Cup. He knows what he is in for. Yeah. Why do you think New York City FC is 0-4 in the Open Cup? They lost twice to right. the Cosmos. They've lost twice to the New York Red Bulls. Why do you think he's going to have an advantage? Because he knows the players that are there. He know, he's aware of what is going on. The man scouts everything day and night. Yeah. He never sleeps. So there's an opportunity there. Neither do I. Yep, and there's that opportunity right now for the Portland Timbers because that final will be at Providence Park on the West Coast in the Pacific Northwest. And that place is going to be rocking. And Savarese knows what he needs to do to get the perfect moment and the tactics done correctly to beat New York City FC. But then again, you have to play the game first. Right. Kind of think, but the Cosmos won the, uh, in the new NASL not that long ago. Right. Of course, it didn't get any fanfare, but still, it was nice to see them win. That's yeah. true. It's a lead that goes unnoticed. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not around yeah. anymore right now, so. Yeah, figures, you know. Yeah. But you know, because back in because back when I grew up, you know, there was two there was two teams, well, three that you know were like the talk of New York. It was the Yankees, the Mets, and yep. the Cosmos. Yeah. You know, NASL, even though you know it folded back in 19, uh, 1984, in the 70s, you know, it was it was just as popular as Major League Baseball, but yep. something screwed it up and it, and it didn't exist anymore. And I was very disappointed. Yep. I know many soccer fans were, and even yeah, those that became I, that I, were becoming casual soccer fans 
were getting popular mm-hmm. with the, the sport because of the Cosmos. So, yeah. Yeah. I still remember when I had my Sports Illustrated collection that Rick Davis was on the cover of the magazine. Like, you know you're going to be you're big when you hit the cover of Sports Illustrated. That's right. You know, I, I had that. Like, yeah, that's the guy. That's the guy. And I was only 10 back then. Show my age here. And what? And how old are you now? Eleven? Ha ha ha! Very funny. Hey, listen, I'm trying to make you feel better, man. (laughs) I'm only three and a half years old. I may may look young, but I'm not young. I'm I'm actually I'm actually 51. Oh no. Okay. Well, I'm not far away from you. I'm only 48. I may not look 51, but I am. All right. I just thought I'd cheer you, uh, make it feel good. That's well, all. Well, thanks, but uh, the tail was eleven. Like, uh, wait a minute, because like you know, because <laughs> I remember those days. You know, yeah. I mean, I was rivals with a kid on the school bus. With, with well, actually, we uh, agreed together that the Cosmos were, you know, the greatest soccer team out there. And you know, we yeah. didn't agree on much, but uh, we did right. agree with the Cosmos that they were the best. Yes, they were. Yes, they were. Yeah. Without a doubt. Course, all that fire. You want to say something about that? Yeah. Exactly. Well, listen, let me get going because I got to get ready for my first interview, but uh, I appreciate you calling as always. All right. And through the season, I might be able to call more until my regular uh, show gets back into action. All righty. Well, I'm glad to hear that. So you have fun tonight, and thank you once again. All right. So let's go ahead and move forward here, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, tonight we have the uh, reporters of their respective clubs that have won the conference finals. First we go to the East. Uh, couldn't come on live tonight, so we have to record it. And here it is right now. This is, of course, my good friend Michael Anderer from Blue City Radio on New York City FC defeating the Philadelphia Union by a final of two goals to one. Daniel Foyerstein here, the American Soccer Show. We are reviewing the 2021 MLS Cup playoffs, the Eastern Conference Final, as New York City FC come out of nowhere, defeats the Philadelphia Union by a final of two goals to one. Joining me from Blue City Radio to discuss this, the one and only Michael Ander. Michael, where can you say in this game that I think... NYCFC would admit they didn't play well, but when they did take their chances, they were opportunistic, and they found a way to beat the third stringer in goal for the Union. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, yeah, for, first of all, Dan, thanks for having me on the show. I agree, yeah, Ronnie Dyler said it so, uh, pretty much uh, after the game, and it didn't take uh, a genius to look at that game and realize that, quite honestly, to start the match, the Union were the better team. Uh NYCFC was going into uh, Chester. Yes, they were playing against the weakened uh, Philadelphia Union side because of the COVID issues that the, that the team was struggling with. But the Union controlled that midfield very well, and NYCFC without Tati Castellanos couldn't really stretch the Union defense and couldn't take advantage of, of the weakened defense that was there. Uh, Aurelian Collin is a great player. He's had a great career, but he, he definitely doesn't have the same pep that he uh that he had back, uh, you know, three or four years ago when he was playing in uh, Kansas City. And the reality of it is, is uh, NYCFC really didn't do a lot to test him except for uh, when Maxie got that uh, that equalizer. 
Yeah, I have to admit, and you know, how strange is that to see a one side who were ready to go, ready to play. They don't have Andre Blake. They don't have Jakob Glesnes. They don't have uh, Corey Burke. They don't have Alvis Powell. They don't have a good chunk of their starting 11. And yet, they put themselves in this position because apparently they were having a party before this Eastern Conference Final. And apparently that's how some of these players got the COVID and their substitutes bench filled with veterans also got infected. And you basically had basically third stringers that were probably going to get their opportunity or not, depending on how plucky Jim Curtin was. Yep. And I, and I think that's a testament to, to Jim Curtin. I know uh, I'm not the only one saying it. Uh, Curtin de- deserves a lot of credit. He spoke uh, positives to, uh, to the media about the game and about what his team was, uh, was capable of doing. And uh, the, the team uh, you know, did everything uh, they had to do. Again, like I said, that first half, I happened to be seated in the, uh, in the stadium behind the, uh, the goal that NYCFC was uh, attacking. And I barely got to see a NYCFC. What did they get? They got a corner kick and a couple of uh, off chances. But for the most part, the ball was all in, uh, in, in uh, NYC's defensive end. Yeah, it was really interesting to watch. And then, of course, all the goals were scored by New York City. The first one was the own goal in the 63rd minute by uh, Callens. And, I, I mean, I could not believe he, he put himself in that position. I know he was defending that ball, but when when you see the shot live in front of you going off his foot and past Sean Johnson, what was the first thing you thought of before Maxi Morales equalized two minutes later? Uh, quite honestly, I, I was nervous that NYCFC wasn't going to be able to overcome the energy in the stadium. Uh, that, that was my biggest fear. It wasn't necessarily about the... Um, about the the, the 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 players on the field, uh, it was more. It just more felt like that stadium was electric. It was a great crowd for uh, for Philly. Look, NYCFC probably had a good uh, thousand to fifteen hundred fans in, in the building, but uh, it was still a very dominant Union crowd, and uh, that place went went electric when they. Because I think it was a matter of what they were knew they were up against. Not only were they playing all these uh, third stringers in the in the back line. But they were uh, they had a they had a third stringer in, in net, and here they are taking advantage of it. And again, I think people would have if you looked on paper before this, uh, you know, before this game started, people would definitely say NYCFC should have had the advantage, and NYCFC just didn't play up to uh, their potential. Yeah, uh, Ronnie Ronnie Dyla def- definitely did something that he's not used to doing. Uh, he recognized the uh, the need for a change, and he actually made the change before that before that goal was scored. And I think that. That's where uh, you know, he, he deserves a little bit of credit for saying that uh, you know, things, things had, to, had, to, had to happen and for NYCFC to win. Yeah, I agree with you there, and I think that was a smart tactical move. And uh, he found a way to uh, you know, get this into his advantage. And then, of course, later on, uh, after Mar- Maxi Morales equalizes two minutes later from the own goal by Callens, um, Big moment late in the match, 88th minute, two minutes before second half stoppage time, and many people already thinking extra time. We're not going to see much, but then here comes that big goal, uh, and you could probably pronounce his name better than I can. B- Bacalar 
Martins, I believe it is. Uh, what a what a strike that was to give New York City the lead. An, an unknown player, uh, probably through my eyes and maybe through your eyes, but not from Ronnie Dahlia's eyes. And he finds a way to put that ball in the back of the net and makes it 2-1 late, very, very late in the second half. Uh, okay, I'm going to correct you, though. It's uh, Talish Magno was the, uh, the, the Brazilian that, uh, that scored the, the game winner for NYCFC. Thank you. Uh, yeah, the the, uh, the cross, uh, great cross by uh, Goody Thorarenson. Uh, Goody has been a, a, a key piece of NYCFC for the last uh, year and a half. He was notably the player last year in the Orlando game that uh, had his PK saved by the defender. So, uh, you know, again, I think he's uh, he's one of those guys who's feeling the uh, the joy of, of having them advanced, having the team advanced to uh, the MLS Cup, coming off uh, one of his crosses. And look, it's a, it's about Embizo. That play is about Embizo not really realizing that the Aronson is on his back. Embizo, for some crazy reason, allows that ball to bounce in his own box. That the Aronson jumps on it, puts the ball across, and it's the uh, the uh, 18-year-old Talish Magno, Brazilian. Uh, it was one of the highest-paid players at NYCFC. It paid for a uh, for a transfer fee, and uh, he stri- he struck it home. And uh, Talish is okay. He's a young player. Came in, was signed uh, while he was still injured. Spent a lot of time recovering and hasn't played a lot of minutes. But the minutes that he's played have been important for the club, and uh, and you can see it. So, what does this say about New York City FC right now? You defeat Atlanta United, and let's be fair here. I don't think this was Atlanta United's best season at all. Uh, with the coaching situation, obviously with Josef Martinez returning from injury from the season-long ending injury from uh, last year. Uh, But you do defeat them two goals to nil. You head over to Foxborough to take on the defending, at the time, of course, the currently winning Supporter Shield champions in the New England Revolution. You beat them in a penalty kick shootout um, to advance to this Eastern Conference Final. And... This particular game where a little wackiness comes into play, I guess a little bit of unforeseen uh, pandemic issue pops up as well. And now, how would you basically rate all these last three playoff games that will now lead the club for the first time to go to the MLS Cup championship? Well, I think uh, the first thing I'd say is that the, the club is definitely feeling confident. Uh, again, they, uh, they, the, the, the Atlanta game was probably the game that they should have won and did win. But again, it wasn't easy. The, uh, the New England game, even though they took that lead, they conceded the, the lead twice, and both times they conceded the lead, it was within uh, five or six minutes of, of taking it. Uh, so that was one of those situations where you could have easily seen uh, New England coming back and... Uh, and getting that, uh, you know, getting that victory in PKs, but it was, uh, you know, the fact that uh, NYCFC was able to come out of Foxborough against the uh, Supporters Shield victors uh, it was huge for their momentum. And yes, I, I get it that uh, Philly was playing a, a depleted squad, but Philly was still a strong team, a strong team to uh, to have to battle against. And the fact that NYCFC scored two unanswered, yes, that that second goal was in the, the waning minutes of the game. But it was, uh, I think this team is riding high. And let's go back to that game in Foxborough. Again, that game was on a Tuesday. Uh, that game didn't end until 
what, what was it, almost 10 o'clock on Tuesday night up in Massachusetts. NYCFC had to get back to New York, had to recover, and then they played, uh, you know, Saturday afternoon, oh, I'm sorry, Sunday afternoon, whereas uh, Philly, even though they were, uh, they, they had this issue with COVID, they still had uh, two extra days worth of rest. Yeah. And they also had, uh, they had a couple of days or a day and a half to prepare when they started to realize that the, uh, the, the positive tests were coming in. So they had a, you know, they had a, a, a fair amount of time to, to get ready and prep the best they could. Yeah. No, and I agree with you there. And they really took advantage when they had to, and right now they're in the big moment here to try and get uh, to win their first club title, or, or should I say the first title in club history, uh, first league championship in their history, of, be it six, seven years in MLS. But I want to throw this at you, and we all know the talent that is in the New York City area, whether it be the five boroughs, Long Island, Westchester County, even in New Jersey, because it still counts part of the whole area. You have a man that you're facing off on Saturday that has managed against this club twice back in the U.S. Open Cup. You know it. I know it. He is a legend of the Metro Stars slash New York Red Bulls. He managed the New York Cosmos when he was in with the second coming of the North American Soccer League. And that is, of course, Giovanni Severese, who is the manager of the Portland Timbers, who has led them to the MLS Cup Final again for the second time, I think, in two to three years. You yeah, know him. Won, I won, know him. They won the MLS's back tournament, too. Uh... Exactly. Exactly. Won the MLS's back tournament as well. You know him. I know him. Usually I ask you about the opposition and their players. I'm asking you about the manager. He knows this club. Yeah, well, I mean, one one thing I do know, he knows how to get his players hyped up for a final. He knows how to win finals. And I think that's going to be the, the biggest key. I'm not saying that Ronnie Dyla doesn't know how to do this. When when Dyla was in uh, in Scotland, he, he he won a lot of uh, uh, trophies with with Celtic. But the problem with those were those were you know those those weren't playoff scenario titles. And I think that's the where we're going to see this 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 change. How much can Ronnie get his team up for for this specific challenge? The one thing I think if I if, if I'm looking at it from an NYCFC perspective. RSL was was the Cinderella story, and RSL wasn't that great on the night. And I think it was the one mistake in the first, in the fifth minute, and then it was the lucky goal that bounced off the uh, Ochoa's back uh, on Saturday. So I, I think if if I'm Ronnie Dyla, I'm saying, look, if we play our game, we're going to beat this team. It's going to be tough, but they can't go out there and play the way they did in uh, in Philly. They've got to play the way they did in Foxborough. And I think that's what Dyla is going to say to his his squad. Hey, we beat the Supporter Shield champions. The, the league uh, record breaking points, uh, record breaking uh, team. We beat them. All we have to do is play our, play our game. And I think that's that's what it's going to be. But look, uh, Gio has has talent. He's got a uh, you know he's got Blanco who he rested and didn't have to use in the in the RSL game. 
but Gio knows how to beat NYCSE, and I think a little bit has to go back to his history with the Red Bulls and the, and the Metro Stars that you talked about, that he knows what the rivalry means, and he's going to take it personally, and he's going to put every ounce of, uh, of energy he has into getting that victory, and that, that's what you need. And I agree with you, because like I said, Gio... He has really grown as a manager. I, I like to think that he is, you know, his tactical awareness is strong. He knows the tri-state area like the back of his hand. He knows the Long Island area like the back of his head. It doesn't matter where you come from. Geo scouts everything. How else was he a player development coach for the New York Red Bulls before he was unceremoniously... Uh, relieved of his duties, because he is that good, and he is that knowledgeable. He knows what's coming, and he knows what to do to take care of that situation. Well, and I think that's where you're going to get a great final. Uh, sometimes the final games aren't that, aren't that exciting. They, 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 there's been games that haven't been the best. But here you're going to have two coaches that really know how to take care of their players and have done a lot to help work on the culture. That's what I've, That's the one word I've heard uh, all season long with uh, NYCFC. It's all about the culture. It's all about the culture. And we're seeing the same thing. I heard an interview with Steve Clark that he did with uh, 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 Jason Davis from uh, United States of Soccer. And Steve Clark talked about the, the culture in Portland. So that's going to be the, most, the, the, the best thing to, to look out for. Which one of these teams is going to have the strongest bond and be able to pick, pick each other up when those moments don't go well? Absolutely. Michael, thank you once again uh, for joining me tonight, and I will talk to you again hopefully uh, after the MLS Cup Final. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Dan. And that is Michael Andor of Blue City Radio to talk about what happened with New York City FC defeating the Philadelphia Union. My next guest, he hasn't been on for a while, but it's great to have him back on. He now writes for Rose City Review, covering the Portland Timbers. My good friend William Conwell joins me tonight to talk about that Western Conference final as the Timbers defeat Real Salt Lake by final of two goals to nil. Will, welcome back. It's great to have you back on. And what a Western final that was at Providence Park. The atmosphere, you know what it's like over there in Providence Park. But tell everyone what that atmosphere was like that doesn't normally handle that sort of fun. Well, Providence Park, you know, is a, a loud venue. And it's, uh, the, the, the noise in there is always right on top of you. Um, but last weekend, it was the loudest <laughs> it's ever been. Uh, it was brain-rattling how loud it got at the end of that game. Um, it was a lot of fun. And, of course, you know, adding to, the, uh, to that stand on the opposite side of the field uh, where there's no camera, no uh, press box, no uh, announcer's booth, uh, by the street, you know, that was that probably had to add on to the atmosphere and the reputation Providence Park already had. Oh yeah, uh, the 
the, the new stand over there really kind of looms over the pitch. Uh, you know, if you ever have a chance to visit, you know, make sure you get up in there and take a look. Um, it is a remarkable bird's eye view from the top levels over there. And uh, when you're down on the pitch, um, it fills the periphery of your vision. Uh, it is uh, it's quite something. Yeah, I bet it is. So the fireworks got off pretty early in this one. I couldn't believe that early goal in the sixth minute by Felipe Mora. How did he put himself in that position to put that ball into the back of the net and just to see the Timbers taking advantage as much as they could against a plucky Real Salt Lake side that looked to not only knock off the Sounders, which they did, but then they go down a goal at Sporting Kansas City and destroyed them. I shouldn't say destroyed them, but beat them at their home uh, stadium in Children's Mercy Park. Just just that goal was just amazing to watch. Yeah, I mean, the, the opener, you know, obviously uh, everyone was uh, uh, in, in Providence Park was very excited to see it scored. But, you know, it's kind of, um, it, it's really in line with the goals that Felipe Morris scored this year. You know, he is uh, he's a guy who gets poachers goals. You know, he gets in the right place at the right time. Um, and, you know, even in this one, there was some great passing and play in the lead up to it. Um, but, you know, in the, in the end, it comes down to uh, a, a, a messed up clearance that falls to him. And he has the presence of mind and the technique to just put it right back into the corner. Uh, and, you know, that's kind of been, uh, that's kind of been him all year. Um, so he's uh, he's someone that has really uh, improved his, uh, his standing with Timbers fans over the course of 2021. That's for sure. Yep. That definitely is for sure. And then of course they lead one nil all the way up to halftime. You go into the second half and, Santiago Moreno. Now, that, my friend, was an amazing smash. I would say, what, 25, 30, maybe even maybe 32 yards away from goal, how he rips that ball on frame, nails the post off the back of a diving David Ochoa, and then ricochets right into the back of the net like that. That was an amazing shot. What was that like? Well, I mean, for the last few games, as Moreno's gotten more and more integrated with the team and played a bigger role, um, you know, the the kind of consensus uh, in, uh, you know, with Timbers fans has been, you know, once he gets a goal, once, you know, he actually gets on the score sheet, uh, you know, anything could happen with this kid. He's obviously extremely talented. He's a ton of fun to watch. Um, and the fact that he got that goal with just, you know, such a rip, you know, forget the bounces. He he put in the work all game. You'll give him that one. Uh, but, what, you know, now that he has scored a goal, uh, I think everyone is even more excited about the possibilities uh, for him. You know, watching that match and – to see everything that's been happening with this Timbers club has been amazing to watch. The, the amount of heart and passion that all those players are putting onto the pitch, 
how they're running, not just for Portland, not just for themselves, but for Giovanni Severese, where I have said this in the past. And, you know, being from New York, watching him as a player when this league began in 1996, and then watching him manage the second coming of the New York Cosmos in the second coming of the NASL, and now that he's over in Portland, this is the second time within, I would say, what, three to four years span that Savarese has put the Timbers into the MLS Cup final. And amazingly enough, in the three finals that the Timbers have been in, this is your first home match for the championship at Providence Park. I mean, what can you say about this man who has put the Timbers in a position to win every single match after the full 90 minutes or more? Yeah, I mean, you know, everyone, I think at this point, is uh, is pretty well aware of the way that the, the Timbers are capable of, uh, you know, zeroing in in the playoffs uh, and, you know, fighting for it and, you know, making they making life very difficult for their opposition. Um, I think the thing that is under-remarked on uh, is the way that Geo's managed this year to, uh, to get the Timbers to this point. You know, coming into the season, the Timbers had a lot of injuries to deal with over the course of the year. With a roster that's one of the older ones in MLS, uh, you know, they had to, to really manage minutes, um, you know, work guys back into fitness, uh, you know, look at like uh, Larry Smabiala, for example. Uh, he's been pivotal to this playoff run. He scored uh, two goals in the first two games of the playoffs uh, that, you know, are, are what got the Timbers to, uh, to where they are right now. Um, and he's a guy that's been in and out of the lineup all year, not because he's not, you know, the first choice starter, but because, you know, <laughs> he's, he's getting older. He's, he's taken some knocks. Uh, and to have him ready to go for the playoffs, you know, going the distance with no worries about him, uh, that is hugely impactful for the Timbers. And that's something you see throughout the roster. Now, obviously, Blanco has been dealing with an injury. Um, but even Blanco, you know, he, he came back uh, from the ACL tear halfway through the season. He dealt with some setbacks. The fact that he has had the impact that he's had this year, uh, you know, is another testament to the the way that he has been managed uh, and the fact that he uh, was available for the last game and, and should be available again this weekend uh, is maybe a testament to how he's been managed, but also maybe a testament to the just crazy mentality that he has, the, the desire to get out there and win games. Uh, so, you know, we'll uh, we'll give Blanco some credit for that one as well as Gio. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And you know what? This is what really impresses me about this win. Because um, as you said, Blanco did not play in this game at all. Gio rested him the entire 90 minutes. You needed just two goals. You got those goals. You went ahead and got the they got the victory. You had no Darren Esprilla because of the red card suspension that he received in the match against the Colorado Rapids, how amazing, even more amazing this win was because you had a, uh, you know, a reliable player in Blanco and a Sprilia who is a good energy guy 
and they were not available for this match, and everyone else pulled their own end, and they just uh, went out and got the victory. Yeah, I mean, the Timbers have really had their depth tested this year, you know, all year, and having guys like Moreno, who's a relatively new addition, but he has the talent, uh, and, you know, he's fit in with the team quickly, uh, and having a guy like Marvin Luria, who, um, you know, for as much as he's not as much of a, a, a name around MLS as uh, some of these other guys, you know, he was also the Timbers assist leader for most of the season. Um, you know, he played a bunch early in the year uh, before Blanco made his return. So, you know, the, the Timbers have depth, and that's something that they've emphasized for a long time. Um, and the fact that they've had to use it so much this year, uh, you know, both a blessing and a curse. Has Merritt Paulson, owner of the Timbers, said anything after the match? Has he even said anything to the media about uh, this type of season that's been going on to make himself, I mean, basically, the hap- one of the happiest owners of MLS, especially you know, for how long he has owned this club? Uh, well, Merritt, uh, Merritt's been pretty out of the limelight recently, which, you know, is uh, doesn't seem like typical him. But, uh, you know, given um, sort of what happens with the, uh, the thorns and the revelations about Paul Riley and his time during Portland, uh, I think Merritt's wisely taken a step back. Um, so, yeah, we haven't heard too much about him uh, from this one, but – you know, we did see him down on the pitch uh, celebrating with the team after the uh, the Western Conference win, um, and uh, he, uh, you know, he's he's definitely a uh, an exuberant person. Um, so I have to imagine that he is extremely happy with uh, how the Timbers season has gone. Yeah, I agree with you there. All right, time to talk about the opponent, and that's New York City FC. What concerns you about this club, but at the same time, what makes you feel confident that the Timbers can defeat New York City FC in that final this upcoming Saturday? And does it make you feel even better that Giovanni Savarese does have a little bit of match history with this club in two victories over them? in the U.S. Open Cup when he once managed the second coming of the New York Cosmos of the NASL? Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, looking at NYCFC, um, you know, there are some really clear dangerous threats in Tati, uh, everyone else. Um, and I think that the thing that the Timbers have really shown that they're able to do um, is shut down specific players. Um, you know, if uh, if you have a star like uh, like Castellanos, um, you know the, the Timbers are going to be able to uh, deny a lot of service to certain areas, certain players, um, and it's going to be really hard for someone like him to uh, to influence the game. Um, you know, he's a He's a guy who, you know, I for one am keyed on because he's obviously a great goal scorer. Um, and, you know, he's a fun player to watch. 
but I think he's exactly the uh, the sort of matchup that the uh, the the Timbers have a lot of experience with, um, and I think that uh, uh, that it is going to be that that ability is going to be a real positive for them. Um, as far as uh, Geo's history versus NYCFC, I mean, at this point, Geo's got playoff history with just about everybody, right? Uh, so, you know, <laughs> I think playoffs in general, uh, I think uh, Portland fans are very, uh, very positive about Geo's influence on. Uh, and, you know, as far as uh, his, uh, his previous specific uh, <laughs> uh Times facing off against NYCFC, uh, you know, we'll take that too for sure. No one knows this, but Will sounds a lot more happier than he normally does when it comes to the Timbers. I have <laughs> heard a giggle, a laugh, you know, chuck, you know, chuffing. I, I mean, this this has to be the most fun I've had you on this show in a very long time. Look at you! Unbelievable! This this season really must have done something to you, man. Well, you know, for a long time, the sort of uh, the the Timbers team motto was like keep your highs low and your lows high, and that was a a Caleb Porterism. Um, but uh, this season in particular has been very much the opposite. Um, the two of the worst losses in Providence Park history. Uh, you know, losing 6-2 to the Seattle Sounders at home, an absolute oh, yeah. embarrassment, uh, and 3-2 loss to the Vancouver Whitecaps uh, after being up 2 nothing in Providence Park. Both absolutely brutal losses. Uh, but over the last, what, 17 games, the Timbers have one loss. Uh and they've looked better and better uh, as they go along. And, you know, it's gotten them in a position to host MLS Cup. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think I think Timbers fans are, uh, are really enjoying it. Uh, and I am definitely one of those people really enjoying it. And that's great to hear. Well, look, you know, I, I like to hear that sort of stuff. And, uh I truly believe that you're going to have a fun time, obviously, on Saturday night uh, on the December the uh, 12th, and that will be uh, – excuse me, on the 11th. I'm sorry. That's my mother's birthday, uh, December the 11th. But I know you're going to have a lot of fun uh, over there, and it's going to be a lot of media being uh, heading over there to watch the Timbers try to take on uh, NYCFC. But still, we are hoping for a good match. And uh, hopefully uh, we will get it. But, Will, thank you very much for your time. I appreciate you coming on. And uh, I will talk to you again next week. Take care now. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Ah, It's great to have you back on. Thank you very much. William Conwell now with Rose City Review covering the Portland Timbers as the club is hosting for the first time the MLS Championship Final, and this will be their third final twice in the last three to four years with Giovanni Savarese as they are looking for their... (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) Sorry about that. Uh, Looking for their second championship um, as they're going to take on 
New York City FC. Let's just quickly review or talk about that final once again. It will be on Saturday night, December the 11th, and this will be at 3 o'clock in the afternoon Eastern, noontime Pacific, at Providence Park, Portland, Oregon, as the Timbers will host New York City FC. And the final will be broadcasted live on ABC, Unimos, and TUDN Univision Deportes. It should be exciting. It should be a lot of fun. It should be fantastic. I personally cannot wait to see what will happen when this final will be broadcasted live. It should be exciting as hell, and I cannot wait. But I want to go back now to uh, talking about what happened. Of course, as you all know, once again, Ralph Rangnick Rangnick was the uh, interim manager at Manchester United. He is bringing over Chris Armas officially. Rumors going around that he's going to bring over Jesse Marsh. Now, let me go back, and I wanted to finish this off. Chris Armas, as everyone knows, my history with the former New York Red Bull and Toronto FC head coach. Uh, I wish him the best of luck over in England with Manchester United. Honestly, um, it is uh, a situation once again where, yes, um, I am in some ways indebted to him for his phone call after the passing of my father to oh, at least over two and a half years, almost two and a half years ago, um, August 1st of 2019, as I was sitting Shiva with my mother in her apartment in uh, South Florida at uh, Sunny Isles Beach. And, you know, not expecting him to make that phone call. And when he did, even though I knew it was a 516 area code for Long Island, you know, and getting it from him was just unbelievable. Uh, Unbelievable getting that phone call from him. Not saying I think every New York Red Bull head coach, current and former, should call me up and, you know, do the things he did. But you know what? I, I was really taken aback. And I was really, really happy to hear from him uh to give me a call and to say you know uh, you know sending his condolences to me and my family uh for the death of my father it's just a situation where parkinson's is just a terrible thing to happen and um you can't really enjoy your retirement when you are going through terrible things like that. Uh, a good man he was, a great man he was, a pillar of the community in the Bronx, New York, originally from Romania during the Second World War. My father 
well-known in the area of the borough, all the hard, in the hardware business up and down the Grand Concourse, Webster Avenue, Jerome Avenue, and Bedford Park Boulevard. It, and I'm not going to lie. There are days I miss him. I miss him terribly. But what Chris Armas did for me and my mother was um, second to none. I couldn't ask for something nicer than what he did, and I couldn't believe he actually took the time to do it. And like I said, it's not like I'm expecting past Red Bull coaches to contact me to say how sorry that uh, they are for the death of my father, obviously. But still, though, it's just been um, it's just been hard at times for me. It's still kind of fresh, even if it is just a, almost two and a half years. But you know, I will never say anything. again once again uh this is a very big surprise to see Chris Armas getting another opportunity to be on a coaching staff uh especially doing it in Manchester United in Manchester England the red of Manchester um, and I really wish him the best of luck. And obviously, there are, is a rumor going around that Jesse Marsh may also be joining this coaching staff of Ralph Ragnicks over in Man United. So once again, uh, Red versus Blue is in New York City. Red versus Blue of Manchester. And it should be a lot of fun, and it should be exciting, and it, it should be uh, a great time. Uh, for those gentlemen to get that opportunity to be in the Premier League. So, like I said, Chris Armas, it's a definite. Jesse Marsh, a rumor at the moment, but still, let's see if Jesse uh, will be able to join Ragnick's um, staff. And who knows? Maybe somewhere down the line, not saying it's going to happen, but hopefully, hopefully, Jesse Marsh may be managing Manchester United. But that's somewhere down the road. Or if he gets another managing opportunity with another club, maybe be in England. We'll have to wait and see what's going to happen. But still, though, still, though, this should be a lot of fun. And hopefully for those two. They'll enjoy themselves, but we'll see what happens down the road, and maybe they'll be ready for Manchester United's uh, FA Cup matches. They're going to take on, in the third round, Aston Villa, and that will have uh, Steven Gerrard as the manager, and it should be exciting to watch that happen. Um, other than that, MLS Pro... Next, ready to go for 2022. And then, of course, uh, all those two teams will be joining the league next year. And then, of course, the remaining two teams 
that will finish off USL Championship in 2022 will join the new MLS now, the MLS Pro Next, I should say, MLS Pro Next. They'll be joining them in 2023, basically a reserve league. It's considered third division, and we're not going to get into that whole situation, but, you know, too many third division leagues. And maybe it's time to start expanding the professional leagues to having a fourth and a fifth division on the pro level. But we'll have to wait and see when we get to that. Don't forget as well, coming up, CONCACAF Champions League draw for the round of 16. It'll be this coming Wednesday. Excuse me, I should say next Wednesday on December the 15th. Clubs from the United States, Mexico, Canada, Central America, and the Caribbean will be battling for the top honors in club confederational football (coughs) and a chance to go to the FIFA Club World Cup at the end of 2022. After the FIFA World Cup is over. And also, also, hopefully uh, we'll get to more U.S. Open Cup qualifiers. The final round for the Southeast and the West. Six of the 11 amateur spots are taken. Five spots are left. Who will advance to the first round draw? And we will find out how much fun we're going to have. So it's going to be awesome. And then, of course, we will finish off the Four Scenes Fire American Soccer Show 2021 season the day after we will recap these clubs in the U.S. Open Cup qualifying round, the final round, as it's coming up very quickly on the weekend of the 18th and the 19th of December. It should be a lot of fun, and I cannot wait. So, I want to thank my guests tonight. I would like to thank Michael Ander of Blue City Radio. And i also like to thank William Conwell of Rose City Review. Both gentlemen will be joining me next week after the MLS Cup Championship Final. And it should be a lot of fun and exciting. My name is Daniel Feuerstein. Thank you very much for listening to me tonight. And as always, please, enjoy your football. The Premier League's getting bigger and better. We'll have to wait and see for that. And the 2021 MLS season is coming to a close. Thank you. Have a good night. Take care so long. And bye-bye for now.